Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Uh, Colby, it's just seemingly a random Wednesday, the first week of January, but it certainly appears that the OSU football program is on fire. There are people exiting in droves. Um, How are you holding up with all the news that's going on today? Uh, well, I, I do have an announcement. I want to let everyone know I am not jumping in the transfer portal. I am sticking around with Pistol Firing Pod. I will be here for the long haul, uh, whether it is a 12-win season or a 4-win season or anything in between. I will be here, so I am not hopping in the transfer portal, Carson. I know uh, at this point it seems like everybody. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> happening at an alarming rate. I mean, uh, we had the John Paul Richardson kind of bombshell yesterday. Again, we are taping on Wednesday now. Uh, two more receivers, Bryson Green, Stephon Johnson. Basically, the future of that position, uh, for the most part, is is now out the door in, in the transfer portal. They can't come back. Uh, Colby, we'll break it down. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. So, Colby, I'm not sure exactly where to start. I think we should start just in general, you know, when when Mason Cobb and, and – uh, Braylon Presley were the kind of the big names that had exited for the transfer portal. Things had kind of slowed down. It, it sure seemed like those were going to be the most significant losses besides obviously Spencer Sanders, who we still don't know where he will be playing next year. But Colby, it appeared things had kind of died down to where they kind of had their, their roster intact for the most part moving forward, uh, not counting guys coming in. But now it just seems like something is occurring up in Stillwater where we're now seeing a mass exodus with the the wide receiver room in particular. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I would say that initially when things happen with the portal, it's like, all right, this is a a pretty significant cut that you've got here, but you can put a Band-Aid on it. You can fix it. You can make it work. This is now an open artery that is flowing, and I don't know how you stop the bleeding at this point. It is just name after name after name, and it's not just the sheer volume of players who are leaving, uh, particularly offensively and and in the last 24 hours, uh, wide receivers. It's the amount of production. I saw this tweet this morning from Robert Barons. Uh, He said, if you think Texas A&M is losing a lot of production to the transfer portal, check out Oklahoma State. 2022 rushing and receiving yards lost to the portal. A&M, who's being propped up as one of the worst portal exoduses in the country uh, this offseason, they're losing 11.4% of their rushing or receiving yards from the 2022 season to the portal. 11.4%. Oklahoma State is at 42.5%. And that was sent at 9.59 this morning. I don't know if that was before or after Stephon Johnson. Oklahoma State also lost its starting quarterback, which should be noted. And even 2022 tackles lost to the portal. Everybody's talking about the receivers. I get it. Those are the big names. Samuela Halamaka has also entered the transfer portal. Defensive lineman probably would have been a starter on the interior D-line. He's been around for a while, played in all 13 games this year. 
A&M lost 10.8% of its tackles from this last season to the portal. Oklahoma State is currently sitting at 24.2% of its tackles. Carson, you, you've lost half of your offensive production. You've lost a quarter of your defensive production. That's just to the portal. Doesn't count guys who graduate, declare for the draft, stuff like that. This is unlike anything that we have ever seen with Oklahoma State football. And I know that some people are going to look at this program and say, you know, don't panic. They're just a year removed from the Fiesta Bowl in this magical season. I disagree. I think today is the appropriate time to panic. The the Fiesta Bowl win, it might as well have been a decade ago as quickly as college football is moving nowadays. And like I said, I don't know how you stop the bleeding here because it is just name after name. And if today's not the day to panic, Carson, I don't know when that day is. Oh, it's yes, absolutely. I think for the people that were, you know, counting the sheer number and saying, well, look, OSU isn't even the top 15 of total transfers there. They're completely missing the point. Like like what you mentioned, the percentage of production that's leaving, like no other school is losing starters. Certainly no other school that is as at the level of Oklahoma State. I think Oregon is close, but how many starters have they lost? I mean, very few. And so Oklahoma State's the outlier. And I I, I just I keep going back to the quotes from Mike Gundy after uh, one of the games this year where he was talking about transfer portal. And that he wasn't going to consult anyone, didn't really care. Uh, they're going to make their decision anyways. That defeatist mentality you and I have discussed so often as this season has come crumbling down. And so, yeah, I, I'm beginning to wonder, Colby, like the question, will Oklahoma State score more than 20 points ever again going into next year is becoming a legitimate question because I, I do not see Spencer Sanders coming back. We just discussed all the receivers that are in the portal. I mean, losing Stephon Johnson – and Bryson Green and John Paul Richardson, like that's devastating. Guy transfer portal dudes from the Mac are not replacing those three, not only next year, but in the future. That that is the future of your program that is now out the door. And so I think a lot of people who will be listening to this are, are wondering why this is happening. And I've gotten a ton of messages today, people asking the same question. Does this mean Gun uh, Casey Dunn is staying? Does this mean Casey Dunn is leaving? What's going on? Um, I've always heard that Casey Dunn was not leaving, that he would keep not only stay, but keep his play calling duties. That's what I've heard. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily believe this is just, just boils down to a decision on Casey Dunn coming down and all these guys all of a sudden making a decision. I think that what this boils down to is two things, Colby, based on people that I've talked to. Number one, we are right back to where we started based on what I'm hearing with Mike Gundy and the disconnect between him and his players. Like we all remember the Chuba stuff that came out after the OAN t-shirt. This has nothing to do with OAN, but it has a lot to do with the things that Chuba brought up in terms of their head coach kind of being distant. Um, he's, you know, he takes that CEO role, which he's, he's become very good at. I just think there's a lot of lack of communication between him and his players. I think that's a factor, but I think when you start, start talking about some of the wide receivers, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Do you want to run routes with Garrett Rangel throwing passes next year, the uncertainty around the, the quarterback room, that they still do not have a transfer quarterback coming in. Spencer Sanders, as I keep saying, I, I would be shocked if he returned based on now that all these receivers are out the door. Uh, but but Colby, there's a massive problem with Mike Gundy and his players. That That is clear. I mean, to look at the starters that are leaving. But I do think a lot of it boils down to, too, with the wide receivers, Colby, the, the lack of certainty at quarterback based on what I'm hearing. 
No, absolutely. And I mean, you said there's probably not Spencer coming back. I, I mean, coming back to what at this point? And your other quarterbacks, you're looking around. I mean, you're saying Flores, you just committed. Um, man, this is a tough deal. It's a tough day watching the receiver room just clear out. I mean, Brennan Presley's still around. He's about the only one. Uh, I believe it's five of the leading six receivers from a year ago uh, have departed one way or another, whether that be portal graduation, uh, trying to go to the NFL, whatever the case may be. It There's a big problem, Carson. Things like this, situations like this, are typically reserved for programs that undergo massive coaching overhauls. For example, Oklahoma, one year ago, one year ago, we got to sit here and we got to laugh at the people in Norman because they were all leaving. The head coach left, the coordinators left, and all the players were leaving. That type of max exodus is typically reserved for those type of situations. You don't see it at places where the head coach has been there for 20 years. There is something that we don't know, that we can't know, that we probably will never know that is going on inside this program that just isn't good right now. And I don't know how you can look somewhere other than at the head coach. I mean, he's the head coach, right? He's the guy in charge of all of it. So the responsibility kind of has to fall at his feet. And I think one of the big complaints that Oklahoma State fans have had over the years about Mike Gundy is an appearance of complacency. You know, we're happy to be better than we used to be. We built this monster. We've got to feed the monster, but let's not forget 10 and one. Let's not forget those years that we were just happy to make it to a bowl game. I feel like that kind of defeatist mentality has been somewhat prevalent. And Cody Nagel brought up one of his covered Oklahoma State for 247 Sports, brought up one of his tweets from November. And it was on November 7th. And Mike Gundy, the, the exact quote is, everybody needs to relax. It's fine everything's going to be fine. And and again, I feel like it is just th- this attitude that Mike Gundy has that, you know, it'll all work itself out. Well, it's working itself right out of Stillwater is where it's working itself. And these are seriously productive players and guys who would have been big playmakers in the future. And I think that that Mike Gundy suffering, you know, the, the loss in Manhattan and, and the loss in Lawrence, uh, and then eventually after that quote, the loss in Bedlam, those kind of things, I mean – the everything's going to be fine mentality coach things were not fine and that season led to this again I I said this last week or two weeks ago whenever we recorded it's not that they went seven and six it's how they went seven and six the wheels fell off and the whole thing caught fire and it's still burning the 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 blaze has intensified as we've gotten into the offseason so I I think I mean a lot of Oklahoma State fans are probably rightfully so, I think, looking at the head coach and saying, look, man, what is going on here? Uh, we haven't heard from him since the bowl game. I don't know if we'll hear from him anytime soon. We still don't know if there's going to be coaching changes, but we're just sitting here on the outside watching production after production, player after player walk out the door. Um You've got to look at the head coach. He's been there for 20 years, and this is usually reserved for unique situations where coaching staffs are departing. Well, and and my information is coming from someone on the inside about the disconnect between Mike Gundy and the players. Like that is that is issue number one for me. And look, it it it's it really was somewhat resolved after the Chuba thing. Obviously, the season they had last year masked a lot of those issues. Uh, kind of caught lightning in a bottle with their defense last year. But Colby, now I'm I'm wondering where where does this go from here? And are we seeing Really, the game, the sport, and 
to quote himself, where we're at in society today, is it is it passing him is it passing Mike Gundy by? Does he even want to deal with the transfer portal uh, and guys leaving? Uh, he obviously has done very well bringing guys in, but does he? It's to to your point, Colby. It just seems like he doesn't really had the same motivation he had when he was a younger head coach, just in terms of recruiting, just in terms of everything. And I, I just wonder with this level of exodus coming from legitimate starting players that you don't see at other schools, can Mike Gundy get through this? Where, where is, how is he going to adapt and handle this situation? Cause again, I don't think one year players from the Mac is going to get Oklahoma state back to where they are. I mean, Colby, just look at their roster right now. What, where would they be ranked in the Big 12 right now? I, I have serious questions about where this thing is going now that, you know, all all so much production and starters are now out the door. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I think that we talked a little bit about, you know, Bob Stoops. The game seemed to be moving to a place where he didn't really want to be a part of it. It wasn't for him. I mean, the Twitter stuff, he, he admitted that that wasn't really for him. Now, he had the luxury of having a guy in waiting that he could be like, yeah, I feel totally comfortable handing over the keys. And is what I'm about to say an absolute today's the panic day statement? Yes. But Mike Gundy announced today that he was retiring. Would the entire Oklahoma State fan base not just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, let's start the next wave? Because, again, Carson's been here 20 years. This stuff doesn't happen. Something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong, and we can't know what it is. Again, the Fiesta Bowl feels like it was a decade ago. That was 12 months ago. We are a mere 12 months removed from that pure elation that had you, me, and a whole bunch of other people saying this program is the program to take over the new Big 12. Carson, I am so beyond worried that Oklahoma State could finish dead last in the conference next year. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, assuming that there aren't massive positive changes that are on the heels of all these massive n- negative things that are taking place right now. It, uh, Yeah, I, I have not felt this way in quite some time about Oklahoma State. I, I really, I think the one thing that you've been able to count on in Gundy's tenure as Oklahoma State's head coach is just the consistency of knowing that, okay, guys come in, guys go out, but Mike Gundy finds a way to put the pieces together and go out and win on a down year at six or seven, the good years, it's, it's 10 to 12. Carson, right now, it, it just feels like the bottom is about to fall out of this thing. Um, and, and, Man, that is not the direction that that me, you, or anyone else saw it going after that Fiesta Bowl a year ago. Well, of course not. And now look at what TCU's doing. We discussed that on the last show. And not only are they in the national championship game, they're recruiting at a high level. They're getting absolute dudes in the portal. They're on the up and up. Texas Tech, Joey McGuire, proving to be a really good head coach and an even better recruiter. So these two schools that you've mostly kind of owned since they, uh, since Mike Gundy's been the head coach at Oklahoma State, uh, they're they're passing you by in terms of just overall talent. And now that, that doesn't always win games. We know Mike Gunny's been able to win with lesser talented teams on paper. But their last 10-win season, Colby, was 2017. That, that was, that's a one, two, three, four, five, I guess last year, 12-2. and two. So they've had two since 2017. Seven and six, 12-2, and two, eight and three, eight and five, seven and six, 10 and three. Um, again, I, I, I kind of think we're back to where we were you know, prior to the the last season and with the OAN stuff. But let, let's go back to the who's transferred. Uh, to me, Colby, John Paul Richardson, that to me 
was the truest sign that things are not well in Stillwater because this guy was named captain of the bowl game. They do that before the bowl game. This guy was viewed as the leader on the team. And <laughs> after the bowl game, he enters the transfer portal. Uh, that to me is bizarre. I think that one was the most disturbing one to me, Colby. More, far more than Spencer even and far more than, than Braylon or, or Mason Cobb in my, in my mind. Yeah, it's just it's not something you see very often, right? A captain of a bowl game hopping in the portal a week later. And I don't know, John Paul Richardson, he just he seemed like he always made the most of his opportunities. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe he didn't feel like he was getting enough opportunities, thought that his talents could be better maximized elsewhere. Uh, maybe it was just a, a disagreement in how he's being used. I mean, it's all speculation. We don't know. I haven't talked to John Paul Richardson. I don't know him. Um, but that one was that one was really shocking. To me last night to see him go uh the, the captaincy of the bowl game I, I think that that is somewhat of a big deal when things were going wrong in the program because things were already going wrong with the portal guys leaving it, it just nothing kind of felt right or good before the bowl game and he was the captain for the bowl game as they're trying to steady the ship he hops in the portal a week later it's it's a very odd um series of events and and then this morning Bryson Green comes down, and then Stephon Johnson comes down. And I talked about it last week. Stephon Johnson, he touches the ball once in the first quarter on a screen pass, makes six guys miss, takes it to the house, 84 yards. Does he touch the ball again the rest of the game? No. Why? No one knows. It just, yeah, a, a lot of it doesn't make sense. The John Paul Richardson was really shocking, but I don't know. I, I think I was equally as shocked by the ones this morning, Bryson Green, I mean, his twin brother's on the team, Blaine. I, I don't know what that means for Blaine. Obviously, twins are not always connected. They don't always have to be together. Uh, brothers, family, we saw Braylon leave. We saw Keelan Boone leave the basketball team, and Caleb stayed. Brennan, uh, for, for now, as far as we know, still an Oklahoma State cowboy. It's only uh, not even 1 o'clock in the afternoon yet, so let's not put the cart ahead of the horse. But, um, yeah, it, it was shocking to see that news come down last night, but uh, I was pretty shocked this morning as well, particularly by the Bryson Green one, maybe not as much from Stephon Johnson because I, I could absolutely see how Stephon Johnson walked away from this season and said, man, I was way, way too good in the opportunities I got, and I am way, way too talented for that to be my usage and for that to be my production. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, bad news all around, all three of those guys, because all three of those guys were going to be, I think, surefire starters next season for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean – I think Bryson Green's even more shocking than Stefan. Look, Stefan was electric uh, when he got on the field. I mean, Bryson Green had a great season. He's your second leading receiver and is young and his his brother's on the team. I mean, that, there's questions now about Blaine Green as well. I, I think it's fair to ask. Uh, I mean, Bryson Green was making a case as the go-to receiver next year. I mean, for real. Um, John Paul Richardson, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's reports out there he wants to be the number one guy he's, he's not a number one receiver in my mind but uh just in terms of his his skill set but i think bryson green certainly was trending toward that direction so it's it's all bad it's all troubling and um again i i think that the next domino to fall colby is what's gonna happen with the coaching staff because i and before we get to that though like there is just weird stuff coming out of Stillwater. the players are tweeting cryptic things uh, did you see Thurman Thomas's comment on Kyle yeah. Crutchmer's post? Yeah, yeah. Tell everybody if they haven't seen it. Yeah, Kyle Crutchmer, former Oklahoma State wrestler, current MMA fighter, basically, um, you know, quote tweeted somebody on Instagram. He quote tweeted Boone Pickens State and said, "LOL, these dudes tripping on Instagram." He commented that Thurman Thomas replied to Kyle Crutchmer and said, "Dig deeper." Dot 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 with the peace sign emoji, and so that's 
that's kind of the cryptic things we're getting. And a lot of it's seemingly Colby hinted at, you know, the root of these issues are the head coach. I, I, I don't know if that's what Thurman Thomas was saying necessarily. That's how I read it. People can read cryptic tweets like that in multiple ways. Uh, what, do, what did you make of those comments and just the weird, you know, Ollie Gordon tweeted pain FR as in for real. So he, I was 40, 43 minutes ago as we're taping this on Wednesday. So there's just a lot of cryptic, cryptic commentary coming out of Stillwater right now. Yeah, there is. And it just feels like, again, a disconnect. It feels like a disconnect between the program and its players. And what, what Thurman Thomas said, that one to me is really interesting. Thurman Thomas, older guy, old school guy. And, and he went out of his way to respond to Kyle Crutchmore on Instagram and say, dig deeper. Now, I don't know if Thurman Thomas has any more info inside the program than I do, than, than you do, than anybody listening does. But that was, that was interesting for him to say that. Uh, you, you know, you, you started off there saying, is the next domino to drop something with the coaches? How can you just run it back? I mean, how can you just run it back after everything went so wrong? It is January 4th. I, I don't know if um, if there will be no coaching changes, if they're waiting to make the coaching changes until after the official signing day as opposed to early signing day. I don't. Carson, I don't know, and that makes it all so much worse, but it just feels like there is a disconnect between the players and the program. Lyric Rawls, uh, you know, popped up in the bowl game, hoping that he can be a player next year. He's tweeting out eyeball emojis. You saw saw Ollie's tweet. Um, Kendall Daniels is tweeting frowny faces. It's it's all cryptic. None of it makes sense. Um, You want to try not to recklessly speculate, but – I mean, everybody's human, and none of us were born yesterday. Two plus two equals four. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, what what more cliches can I use to just illustrate something isn't right here? And I don't know how you can just say, all right, we're going to do it again in 2023. I I think changes have to be made for the betterment of this program moving forward. Um, and, And again, I look at that contract that the head coach is is locked into. That is a that is one hell of a contract. Good on him. Good on his agent. That is one hell of a contract. Um, and weeks like these, they're the reason that you don't sign contracts that keep rolling over every year, forever and ever and ever. Uh, the buyout's huge. It's there are no good short term answers. I don't think. I, I am very concerned, as I think a lot of people listening are, as to the disconnect between uh, potentially the head coach. I, I don't know other coaches, players, whatever the case may be. But, uh, again, this is not normal, and this is not happening all over the country. If somebody tells you this is happening all over the country, it's not. Not at a program with stability on the coaching staff. Yeah, if the head coach bolted and all the coordinators went with him, a lot of the recruits are probably leaving. Jackson State probably having the same problem Oklahoma State's having. There's a reason for that. There's no discernible reason at Oklahoma State. Um, this is unique, and it, it's bad. It's really bad. Now, if they get a quality quarterback in the transfer portal, a kid named Carson May transferring from Iowa, of all places, is in the portal. His name's been popping up left and right for Oklahoma State. He is from Jinx. Have you heard of this? Huh? I thought he was from Jones. Or I'm sorry, Jones, not Jinx. I got my J's confused. (laughs) But um, I'm a big fan of kids named Carson. But um, (laughs) Iowa quarterback coming to Oklahoma State would be – the irony would be rich for me. But – 
Colby, I, despite the losses, like they get a quality quarterback or at least a decent quarterback that can bridge the gap between Rangel and Gunner and Flores or Floors, I guess is how you pronounce it nowadays. But uh, I don't think the house is on fire, but I mean, their offense was near the bottom of the Big 12 last year. I just, to me, I think it is absolutely, absolutely panic time, and which leads me to the coaching speculation. Um, you know, there was strong, strong rumors, and I had heard the same ones. I'm sure you did about Kale Gundy. Um, I'm not as confident of, of that anymore, based on what I'm hearing. I'm not. I'm not certain that either side wants that to happen, based on people. Some people I've talked to. Uh, so that's that's kind of was kind of this thing that was dangling out there that people were clinging to about you know potential changes to the offensive coaching staff. So. I think now the the ball is firmly in Mike Gundy's court because if he runs it back with this current staff, with the exodus that he's had in the transfer portal, I mean, sign me up for last place in the Big Twelve. I mean, seriously, that that that's where they will be, Colby. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that depending on what happens moving forward, you, it may not be a house on fire situation next year because this is not all done. Today, it's a house on fire situation. The the team that Oklahoma State could field right now. Um, there's a really good chance that that team finishes last in the Big 12 Conference next year, uh, particularly with the uncertainty at quarterback. Rangel uh, certainly didn't show enough to make you think that he is the guy moving forward, and Flores is going to be coming in as a true freshman. So today, the house is on fire. Now, you get a quarterback in. Uh, maybe you can keep that bowl streak alive next year. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the, the rumors have been swirling for weeks Carson about the coaching staff. I know everybody knows the rumors we're referencing. They're not secret. They're not stuff Carson and I are hearing in back channels. Everybody's tweeting about them. There were a bunch of Arroyo rumors, and then you get a, a UNLV kid in the portal, and the Arroyo's rumors intensified. There were Kel Gundy rumors. None of that has come to fruition. Uh, I, I saw a young man earlier from, I believe, Norman, last name Cabaness. Uh, Kel, no, not Kel Cabaness. There were a couple of Cabanesses down there, but he committed to Oklahoma State this morning, tagged Casey Dunn in the tweet. But make make of that what you will, but he committed this morning and, you know, proud to be a cowboy, tagged Casey Dunn in the tweet. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just rumors. It's speculation. And the only thing that's happening is productive players leaving the program. So uh, I'll be very curious, Carson. We're now at a point where, uh, you know, you and I, we, we try to record when – there is news, and and I feel like for the next couple of weeks, Oklahoma State fans, all of us, are just going to be on the edge of our seat just waiting for that next tweet from Marshall or from Cody or from one of those guys saying so-and-so has hopped in the portal or so-and-so coach has been let go and they're looking to make a change at that position. Um, I don't know if those changes are coming. Seems like they would have to be after the, the last six weeks of the season and then the way the offseason has transpired, but – Mike Gundy has made one thing abundantly clear over the years. He does not care what people think. He he has said aloud, yeah, I don't listen to radio, bunch of morons. I don't care what plumbers think who are calling in, bitching on the radio. He doesn't care what people think of him. So if he does decide to run it back and, you know, do it the Gundy way and see if he can piece together an eight-win season next year that will, you know, buy him a little bit of – goodwill to try to build his next Fiesta Bowl team, so be it. But uh, I think we're all just kind of in a state of wait and see right now. Yeah, certainly. That's um, that's something that remains to be seen with the football program in terms of staff changes. And um, 
I don't know, man. It's this this sport can change rapidly. Just look at TCU. Uh, I want to talk to you about the bowl games eventually, but um, man, I think I think gotta think we'll we'll hear something soon in terms of coaching changes. But you mentioned it, the Casey Dunn tweet. Uh, Charlie Dickey, his name was tagged in a tweet from a kid getting an offer on the offensive line. So it would appear as of today that no changes have occurred, just based on. You know those inferences there. Um, Casey Dunn apparently followed the Carson May kid quarterback from from Iowa on Twitter. So right now, in terms of the coaching staff, it, it appears to be status quo. But will their players be there to to coach? I don't know. But to me, Colby, the the biggest thing for me is is the what I'm hearing from the inside on on Mike Gundy and and the lack of uh, I don't know what you call it the, the disconnect between him and his own players. And I think that's on full display and. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we're done yet, Colby, with the transfer portal. There might be another, another one coming, based on what I'm hearing. So that that's even pause for more concern. Uh yeah, a lot of things are cause for more concern right now. That's one thing. The portal's still open. I mean, it it feels bad. It feels like uh, the bottom has already fallen out. I don't know. It, it's been a. I mean, we're going back to again. Last time they scored twenty. More than 20 points was against Texas. That game was October 22nd. So we are now uh, two and a half months deep into this this misery that has been Oklahoma State football fandom, and there is no foreseeable end in sight. Um, yeah, man, I'm really glad the basketball team beat West Virginia on Monday because it, it just gives us a shred of hope that we have something that we can feel good about. Okay, so if you kind of heard me trailing off there for a minute, I had to step out for a, a, a meeting at my 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 job, so I had to stop. And we're we're now re-recording about oh gosh, four hours later, Colby. But uh, good to be back with you. A lot's happened since uh, I had to hop off there, but let's let's keep this thing going, shall we? Part two, let's do it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I think we were kind of discussing you know everything that's been happening with the wide receiver room. Um, I mentioned earlier, Colby, the cryptic tweets that have been coming out left and right. We touched on the Thurman Thomas one. Well, now we got Spencer Sanders tweeting an emoji, then deleting it. To me, it's the it's the emoji with the hand over the mouth trying to hold in laughter. Um, for me, it, it seems as if, you know, and there's been so much speculation about Spencer. Did he try to come back? Did he not? We, we don't have any idea. But to me, Colby, there's only one way to read that tweet, and that he's He's kind of laughing at uh, the mess that is now occurring in, in Stillwater is the way I read it. How about you? Uh, say that one more time. I was just sent a tweet, and I'm trying to discern uh, whether this is actually a legitimate person. Phrase that question to me one more time. Sorry. The Oklahoma State news is just coming from every direction, so now I've got another tweet sent to me uh, claiming to be from the uncle of a player, but I don't know if it actually is. It's just it's rumor central around Oklahoma State football. Fire away at me. You have my full attention. Yeah, just the Spencer tweet. I kind of let the audience know who hadn't seen it yet what what was tweeted and, and my take on it was he's kind of laughing at the mess that is in Stillwater right now. What was your take on it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's about the only way to interpret it. He he tweeted and quickly deleted, but I mean, he had that thought and he thought about it enough to send that tweet. This is not an eighteen year old uh, fresh out of high school, not in control of his emotions. This is a grown man. Uh, he made the decision to press send, and and the delete button doesn't take it away. Sorry, that's not how this works. Um, man, that that paints a serious light over this thing. That, I mean, what is going on? Where these former players feel so comfortable coming out and just openly like, hey, things are bad up there. 
I got out. I got out while I could because things are bad up there. I mean, Braylon, he he went to the newspaper, started talking about how uh, you know wasn't getting coached upright. Trace Ford went to the Oklahoma. And I know we're going to talk about that. Just straight up said, "I want to get to the NFL, and they can coach me better in Norman than they can in Stillwater." Just straight up said that to the newspaper. Spencer on Twitter sending that else. Uh, Canyon Williams, he put something on his Instagram after Bryson Green's announcement and said, uh, there's something deeper going on here. Something, something to that effect. Here it is. I've got it right here. Deeper than what y'all think with the little emoji with the hand on the chin. Uh, I mean, this is like players publicly, whether directly or being cryptic about it, just saying, Hey, all is not well in Stillwater. Uh, things are going very wrong. And man, th- this looks really, really bad for Mike Gundy. This is I mean, this just seems like a total, total disconnect between he and his players. Uh, I I don't know how anyone could look at Mike Gundy right now and just have a ton of confidence because this thing has absolutely, completely unraveled, uh, more so than than we've seen, I think, with any other program around the country in a very short span of time. This this has gone really bad really fast. Well, it really has. And, you know, I've I've had a few conversations since we stopped recording the first time, and the things I was hearing before are now kind of trickling out on the internet. And, you know, I, I, I don't like to say things on here unless I have heard it from credible people. There's, there's others out there you can read on, on Twitter and on message boards that, you know, are basically throwing things out and hoping they stick. And I, and I can say this, I can put my name behind this, that, you know, the things I mentioned prior with Chuba and the disconnect between the players and the coaches, that's still going on. That really hasn't changed a whole lot since the Chuba fiasco. They won a lot of football games. That changed. But that's that's the core of the issue here. And the issue is now, will Mike make changes to his coaching staff? And I'm hearing he will. Um, but I'm, I, I don't say that with 1,000% confidence. But based on people I've talked to, those changes are coming. And the question now is, will Casey Dunn be a part of that or not? I had heard previously that he was going to keep his job. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore based on, based on what I'm hearing. So that, that to me, I think will go a long way. Again, these players that are in the portal can come back and a, and a large portion of players in the portals. We know Colby don't end up with places to go play. Now, whether they'll have a home at Oklahoma state, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to this, but I think it's very fair to question how a coach making seven and a half million dollars can let his roster get to the shape it's currently in, whether you like Casey Dunn or not, whether I don't care where you fall on that. What what I want to know Colby is what, what happens now with the coaching staff and this program moving forward, Colby overnight. Now you look at their roster. Are they the worst roster in the big 12 right now? To me, it's between them and Iowa state. You know, the second leading receiver is right now from, from this past season on Oklahoma state's roster. Second leading receiver. So Brennan would be one. I would say um, Rashad Owens. It is Rashad Owens. That's no insult to which Rashad is, Owens. Which is not great. Less than 100 receiving yards on the season, uh, I believe, for Rashad Owens. Second leading receiver currently, Carson. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the head coach has let his roster get to this point. Now, the players, the players have more power than they've ever had because they can leave. And... I think that this is a statement by the players at Oklahoma State. I mean, they have made a statement over the past few weeks. This is not a program we want to be a part of. 
That is the statement, Carson, and it's up to Mike Gundy to fix it. Boy, he, he's going to have to change his tune from things he said over the past few years. You know, he, he has spoken negatively about this new generation of kids. He has spoken negatively about this new generation of college football. He better change his tune real quick because he's got a college football program right now, Carson. The kids don't want to play for after they've been there. They see what it's like, and they decide, nope, that's not for me, and they're out the door. Um, this this has been a wild month. You know what what phrase I don't want to hear ever again after this debacle? Oh, cowboy culture? Cowboy culture. Like, what is it, Colby? T- tell me what cowboy culture is. Is it one of the greatest quarterbacks in school history entering the transfer portal? Again, I'm, I'm not overly critical on, on Sanders. That's, that's a unique situation to be in to improve your, your draft stock as a quarterback. Is it your, your, the heart and soul of your defense, Mason Cobb, entering the transfer portal? Is it Stephon Johnson tweeting that he's entering the portal and not thanking a single coach? Like, what is the Cowboy culture? Because right now it appears that that culture is broken in terms of the where the coaching staff is versus the players. Because let's talk about this this Trace Ford article uh, that came out with the Oklahoman. Great get um, from Jacob Unruh. Uh, talked to Trace Ford about his time at Oklahoma State. And one of the most damning things in that entire article, when we go over some of the quotes, uh, Colby, is that he hasn't even spoken to Mike Gundy, the head coach at his school. And I really hammered Mike for those comments he made about how he wasn't going to consult players on their future. And part of me, after the fact, wondered, well, was this him just talking, just kind of how he talked about not being a big portal guy and then hitting up the portal as hard as he did? Well, if you listen to Trace Ford tell it, it sounds like that's exactly the approach Mike Gundy's taking, where he doesn't even communicate with his players about their future. That, to me, proves the disconnect that I've been hearing from people People that know players on the team, people that are related to players on the team, a lot of people saying the same things. And so my question to you, Colby, how disturbing is that, that those comments from Trace Ford? And are we done hearing the phrase cowboy culture for a while? Because we should be. Uh, for a while, yes, we definitely are. And and that's incredibly disturbing from Trace Ford. When Mike Gundy made that statement and said, no, I don't talk to players about any of that stuff, that, that's up to them. I there were people on Twitter. We were critical of that. And I had people saying, look, Mike Gundy's just talking in the media. He's going to go do his thing. I mean, we've got a player just transferred to the rival went on record with the local newspaper on record as saying, no, I have not spoken to the head coach. He has not reached out to me. That's bad, man. That's bad. And this goes back to what I'm saying to what I just said a moment ago about Mike Gundy and his repeated disdain for this generation of kids and this generation of college football guess what this is the generation of kids you've got this is the generation of college football you've got nobody's taking us back to 2005 we can't go back there this is what we have and he clearly has not adapted Carson multiple players going to the paper I I now have verified that this Twitter account that I was trying to track down this is Ollie Gordon's uncle He's got pictures with Ollie Gordon at Christmas. He's been retweeting his stuff all season. This is Ollie Gordon's uncle just ripping the coaches on Twitter. Um, Somebody said it's got to be the coaches. He said, you've hit the nail on the head. It's not NIL. These kids are smarter than we give them credit for. Most people don't continue to follow something or someone they don't believe in. Lots of talented offensive players leaving. Why? He said, I sincerely believe that OSU is quickly losing the confidence of the players. Uh, Changes better come fast. Players are not happy. This is a public thrashing of the coaching staff in Stillwater by 
former players, um, family of players. For I mean, when I say former players, Thurman Thomas, dig deeper. Kenyon Williams, there's something deeper going on here. It's 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 obvious. The dots are there. We can connect them. This group of players is fed up with this group of coaches, and they are getting the hell out of Dodge. Carson, this is malpractice at every level from the same coach who two months ago told us everything's going to be fine. Y'all need to relax. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this isn't you and I coming on this podcast and just hurling out baseless accusations. That's Ollie Gordon's uncle. Now, again, that's that's one person. That's one source. That's coming from an uncle whose kid didn't or his his nephew didn't hardly play this year. That he would have reason to be disgruntled against his coaching staff. So you have to you do have to look at the sources and who they are. But I mean, these are these are relatives of players on the team. This isn't you and I saying it, and that's pretty damning. And it backs up the things that I had already heard that I mentioned uh, on this podcast that started three or four hours ago until we had to pause. Uh, but back to Trace Ford, um, even more damning quotes. Again, this is a guy who's choosing to go to the University of Oklahoma uh, instead, <laughs> instead of staying at Oklahoma State. And he isn't mentioning a whole lot about NIL dollars, which I thought would have been the only reason to go to Oklahoma. He's mentioning, quote, I know I can be developed more at OU than I am at OSU. It's just business in my eyes. I realize they have everything that I need, including more that OSU didn't have. And this is this is the one that that really speaks volumes, I think, Colby. Uh, quote, they're ready to go on. G. Rich, meaning Greg Richmond, and Mike Gundy, I don't think they could care less about where Trace Ford ends up playing football next year. Whoo, boy, Colby. Um, this, is, this is really bad. This has gone from, okay, they lost some players in the portal. Uh, they, they replaced some place them with some pretty good options in the portal to Mike Gundy has completely and totally lost the locker room is the way this appears reading these quotes, not only from Trace Ford that I just mentioned, but the ones that you you have and, and ones that I, I have myself uh, through private channels. Um, I think, don't you think Chad Weiberg and, and Casey Shrum need to do something and quick publicly Colby to stem this tide? Cause it is, it's getting worse by the, but not, not hour, but minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the administration comes out and says at this point. I'm sure that there are conversations happening behind closed doors. Uh, I, I mean, the highest paid state employee at more than $7 million coaching the football program has just let it completely collapse right in front of him. And th this was the quote for me from Trace Ford, and you touched on part of it. He said, that rivalry, that rivalry talking about Bedlam, was real for me too. I hated their guts. But then this next, these next couple of sentences, he says – it's more about me having a year or two left needing to be developed and get to the league. I know I can be developed more at OU than I am at OSU. It's just business in my eyes. Now, I understand he went to the rival. It's a little bit more than just business, but I felt a little bit differently about Trace Ford after reading this story and after seeing the mass exodus and what appears to be a borderline mutiny going on at Oklahoma State right now and a, just an obvious disconnect between coaches and players. I mean... Now I'm kind of looking at Trace Ford, and I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's OU. I've hated them my entire life, and I will continue to. But I kind of get it. He 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 didn't feel like Stillwater was the place for him, but he didn't want to leave home. He's He's got eight brothers and sisters. He wants to be close to mom and dad. But he knew, okay, Oklahoma State's not going to get me there. I I Man, this is tough. I mean, these are tough pills to swallow. As supporters of these, this program, as people who were insanely high 
on this team and this program uh, to, before the season, midway point of the season, even after the Texas game. I mean, you and I were, were pounding the gavel for Oklahoma State to get some respect nationally. And this program, all of a sudden, it's it's turned into a laughingstock. Um this is rivaling what Texas A&M is doing right now in terms of the two programs um, suffering the biggest embarrassment in the offseason. And I just – I didn't see it coming. It is shocking. It is disappointing. Um, and something has to change. This, this is not business as usual. Uh, this is the type of stuff that people lose their jobs over. Uh, that's the harsh reality. But that is what is going to have to happen because this is unprecedented. Well, yeah, and A&M's lost talented – recruits and some talented players, but they haven't lost nearly the level of production that Oklahoma State has lost. Here's a, t- a tweet from Dean Rule. He's now on the beat uh, for following OSU football, I believe, for uh, Tulsa World. Yes, that's right. He had an interesting tweet about the production uh, that was lost. OSU has scored 398 points this season. Players who are leaving either portal, NFL, or eligibility have accounted for 296 of those 398 points. That's 74% of this year's points coming from players who will not be at Oklahoma State next year. That's that's the reason this is DEFCON 1. It's not because the sheer number of players, which we've discussed, they're not even in the top 15 number of players like A&M is. It's the sheer production, Colby, that has walked out the door that you start looking to next year, Colby. I just mentioned it briefly. I would put Iowa State perhaps below Oklahoma State in terms of just pure rosters and pure talent. And you can factor in certainly Mike Gundy's ability to get talent out of that. But my gosh, overnight, Colby, they're one of the worst teams in the Big 12 roster-wise as it stands today. Now there will be additions to these subtractions, no doubt. And Mike Gundy has done a good job of of uh, mitigating those losses. But my goodness, Colby, it's, it's DEFCON 1 in Stillwater right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, I kind of touched on this uh, a little bit earlier today before we had to take our break. And if if the roster at the start of next season is what it is today, there's a very good chance that I will pick Oklahoma State to finish last in the Big 12. Um, we, we saw what some of this looked like down the stretch. Uh, we saw what some of this looked like against Wisconsin. The Big 12, contrary to much national opinion, is a really good football conference. There are just not Rutgers. Uh, I mean, now that Kansas has picked it up, you don't have Rutgers and Vanderbilt. You don't have those schools in the Big 12. You don't have easy wins that even if everything goes wrong and it's a down year, you're still going to beat those teams. That's not the way the Big 12 is built anymore. Kansas is not that same down Kansas team. Um, You've got to play good football to win in the Big 12. Texas Tech's getting better. Baylor getting better. TCU getting better. Look at that recruiting class that they just put together. Um, All these programs are getting better. And meanwhile, we are just watching the program burn in Stillwater. And Carson, I, you you try not to be too prisoner of the moment, too reactionary, but if if there were ever a day to do it, it's today. And I, I mean, this stuff hurts as a fan, as an alum. I mean, I bleed orange and I want to see this team have success. I want to see this program have success. I also want this to be a program and a school and a university. I mean, I want these guys to go there, and I want them to feel about Stillwater the way I felt about Stillwater. I don't want them leaving bitter. I mean, Stephon Johnson, I I imagine that he's leaving bitter. He sent out a tweet, seemed intentional to me that he thanked his teammates and brothers, didn't mention a single coach. I mean, these dudes are leaving having had a bad experience in Stillwater, a place that I still call home, a a place that I'm sure you still call home. And a lot of people listening to this podcast and – 
man, this program is just not giving a lot of these kids that same experience. Uh, the coaches have to be held accountable. And I don't just mean the assistants. And I don't even know how you hold Mike Gundy accountable because of that contract. But, man, I tell you what, if if I'm the administration, I'm looking at that contract right now and I'm saying, no, we got to do something. We can't be rolling over every year. This is ridiculous. Um, I mean, this this falls at the feet of the head coach every bit as much as it does the assistants. Uh, and I don't know how you hold Mike Gundy accountable, Carson, because of that contract, but man, he, he has let this thing go really wrong under his watch. How about Mike Gundy making $4 million more than Chris Kleiman per year? Does that, does that excite you? Brutal. I, I said this last month, I think we were talking about something, and I'm like, you know, whenever you just look at the money allocation for Oklahoma State football, how much better could the program as a whole be if you were paying a head coach $3 million instead of 7.2, especially when the coach making 7.2 has this going on? It's just, it's truly unbelievable. Well, and you factor in just the school that he's coaching it at. I mean, Oklahoma State is not does not have a 100,000-seat stadium. They do not have the the financial infrastructure to to really pay a coach that much and then account for all the assistant coaches if if they if they lose as many games as they're losing now so it's it's a big problem for the university it really is uh, but I, I'm on record uh, let the record show at uh, five o'clock on January fourth Mike Gundy will make changes to his coaching staff I'm I'm fairly certain of that I'm I'm very certain of that I'll put it that way um, but is he making them too late to where the roster makes just completely now with the transfer portal, Colby, whomever he brings in, they'll be able to bring in some of their quote unquote guys, their guys. But I mean, make no mistake, losing the guys they've lost in the last 24 hours really stings. Uh, but I, I'm very confident that the changes will be made. The question is just will the changes in that Mike Gundy has built a coaching staff and a, and a quote unquote cowboy culture, it's the last time I'm saying it, of a coaching staff that won't communicate with its players? And I've heard that besides just the trace forwards of the world. Uh, that That's a problem. That That's a huge problem. And another question moving forward is when will Oklahoma State, who pays a coach $7.5 million and recruiting is very high on the, the short list of things to do as a head coach making $7.5 million, when will they have a coach that recruits like he's making $7.5 million? That's a big problem too. But I'm on record, Colby. I don't think Spencer Sanders is coming back, obviously. Why would he come back to this dumpster fire that's occurring right now with the roster? But I, I do believe Mike Gundy will make coaching changes. Just a matter of when and is it too late before the roster is completely gutted? That's, that's, yeah. that's what remains to be seen. That's a great question. Is it too late? And uh, coaching changes are a good start. Uh, but quite honestly, Mike Gundy needs a philosophy change. It's not just coaching changes. He needs a philosophy change. He's not talking to his players who, who may or may not walk out the door. He needs a philosophy change. That's not good enough. That is not good enough to just show up, coach the team, and then go home and, and play with the goats. That is not good enough. You, you've got to, uh, like you said, $7 million to not finish in the top 60 in recruiting, $7 million to have the season go the way it went. I mean, whether he's making a million or seven million, these results are unacceptable. But if he was making a million, there'd be more money to allocate elsewhere. There's no money to allocate elsewhere. Trace Ford also said in that story that you sent over that he, he was amazed by what they had at OU, everything Oklahoma State had, and much, much more. And, you know, they've got money. They've got money to toss around. Oklahoma State, 
They're spending all their money on the head coach, not getting results. It, it's going to take more than assistant coaching changes. It's going to take a head coach changing his philosophy. Carson, he has to want to communicate with this new generation of kids. I, I don't care if, if people think they're softer, they need coddled, whatever. Again, this is the hand you are dealt. You, you don't just get dealt 2-7 and hand them back to the dealer and say, I, I'd like aces, please. No, no, no. This is the hand that you are dealt. He has to learn how to connect with ge- this generation of kids, and he has to adapt to this changing model of college football. And he appears completely unwilling to do so and just apathetic uh, with, with the whole situation. I am, man, I am as low on Mike Gundy as I have been in a long time because I just cannot believe what I have watched unfold in front of me. Um, and, and again, 2021, it's the outlier since since, since Rudolph left. It, it is the outlier. Um, maybe I'm being too harsh. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being an appropriate level of harsh, not harsh enough. Probably depends on uh, where you're sitting and who you know. But uh, that's just kind of the way I feel today. Well, I think you're being fair. I, I think most reasonable Oklahoma State supporters and fans feel the same way. I mean <laughs> – it's pretty obvious what's going on up there, and I don't think too many people are happy about it. Regardless of the the results on the field, you got you got guys like Trace Ford going to your arch rival, and and really really burning a lot of bridges with some of the quotes on on the way out, and and doesn't seemingly care because I think that's the quote unquote culture that's been built there in terms of the disconnect. There, there's no there's no connection that would deter someone from saying the things that they're saying. Go back to Braylon Presley's parents, <laughs> whose brother's still on the team, by the way, and is dating the offensive coordinator's daughter, apparently. Uh, it's it's a strange situation and one that I got to think will we'll come to some more resolutions here soon because this is this is off the rails, Colby. When you got you got family members of, of players saying the things publicly that they're saying, it, it's just it's not a good look for, for Mike Gundy or, or anyone involved. And and it's again, it's this is one of the first huge challenges of of Chad Weiberg's career at Oklahoma State. The first obviously was uh the uh, the conference realignment business and, and maybe even the OAN stuff with Mike Gundy, but th- this is a huge huge turning point for the school. I mean, you, you Oklahoma walking out the door, Texas walking out the door, and this is the position you're now in a year a year after having Mike Gundy on the podium at the Fiesta Bowl, having beaten Notre Dame, saying we got a logo too. This this is the situation they're in. This was completely avoidable. That's that's the frustrating thing I think for Oklahoma State folks is this is what it's coming to. Not speaking to your players, the disconnect is back from the the Chuba OAN days. Like completely avoidable. Certainly, when you're making seven and a half million dollars, you got to make more of an effort than that. It's just, it's it's inexcusable, is what it is, and it's going to be on Chad Weiberg's uh, plate to fix it. And I I do think he's already making steps to do that. We'll have to wait and see if if if, he, if he's able to. But uh, you ready for bullets and BBs? Uh, absolutely. Yes. I had a really good bullet earlier and it has totally slipped my mind. So you fire away. Uh, my bullet is going to go to the TCU Horn Frogs for taking down, uh, taking down the big, bad big 10. You know, I had a lot riding on this game, Colby. And again, look, Michigan is the best the big 10 has to offer. They were worthy challengers to, to TCU. And my problem isn't so much with Michigan as it is. Fit in. What was that? I don't know how this always happens. Another autoplay video for, for I don't Colby. know how this always happens to me. But I mean, I, I'm the worst about it. 
my my frustration is with the people who act like the Big Ten is just just a far superior conference to the Big Twelve. The people that acted like TCU had just no shot whatsoever, and the manner in which TCU won was the best part about it, Colby. Because you know how they beat them, Colby. They beat them by being the tougher, more physical football team. All I'm ever told is, "Oh my gosh, the Big Ten so much more physical and." just will overwhelm with their sheer size and brute strength to those soft offenses in the Big 12. And what I watched was TCU's defense smack Michigan right in the face. I saw Keandre Miller trucking their their vaunted safeties at Michigan left and right. And it was it was entirely predictable. The notion that the Big 12 is a finesse conference should go away forever, at least for the time being, from all these talking heads that don't watch Big 12 football on a daily basis. Michigan was a worthy adversary. It was a great game. But get at the Big Ten is a terrible football conference, top to bottom. I mean, they got good two good teams at the top with Ohio State and Michigan. I grant you that. But the Big Ten West is an absolute embarrassment. Purdue played for the conference title for for Christ's sakes. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the TCU getting one over on the Big Ten. Uh yeah, that was really good. Cade McNamara's comments the week before about bringing some Big Ten to the Big Twelve. Uh <laughs> I, I tell you what. Bring it on, buddy. Michigan they struggled to run the football. Um, 13, the linebacker for TCU, he, he was in the gaps all day long, making life miserable for Michigan. Did you see my tweet? I fired off as soon as that game was over. I did not. I missed it. Uh, I said, I hope everyone doesn't start hopping on Michigan just because they lost in the playoff. They're really good for a Big Ten team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. Like, congratulations they beat ohio state and penn state to get there that was basically all they had to do because they literally were able to rest starters against the rutgers of the world and, and get by yeah exactly and uh yeah it, it was see my tweet with the the screenshot of harbaugh that goofy look on his face oh no i didn't i said uh i said when when the purple team isn't northwestern and it was just <laughs> is just is harbaugh looking like frightened with an extreme close-up uh, that's really good. That is really, yeah. really when, good. When the purple team's not freaking Northwestern, it's a little tougher, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, what, a- about, what about BBs? I got plenty of those. Uh, I've got a bullet. I've got a bullet. Uh, I don't want to forget about Oklahoma State basketball. It's a big win Monday night. It has gotten totally overshadowed uh, by everything happening just a few feet west at Boone Pickens Stadium. But four players in double figures, yet six guys score at least six points. And Carson, it was all set up. Oklahoma State jumps out to a lead early. They fall behind in the second half. It was all set up for another second half Oklahoma State collapse after a nine-point halftime lead, and they didn't let it happen. I had to go back uh, and watch the end of it. I, I actually uh, I've got the three TV set up in the living room, and I had Oklahoma State on the left, and I had Monday Night Football in the middle with the volume on. My fantasy championship was on the line. I'm watching Bengals Bills, uh, and when the Demar Hamlin injury took place, I. I totally forgot that the Oklahoma State basketball game was happening. I missed like the last five minutes uh, and had to go back to watch. So uh, bullet for Oklahoma State basketball. And while we're on the subject, a bullet for all the support for DeMar Hamlin, the players and coaches for getting off the field, the way the Bengals handled it, and the city of Cincinnati. uh, The city of Cincinnati was lit up Buffalo Bills blue and red last night. Uh, It's just been really cool to see the football world. I, I told my wife last night, Sports can can absolutely bring out the worst in people. It can also bring out the best in people. And I think that we've seen that in reaction to what happened with DeMar Hamlin. So uh, a, a bullet to just kind of the sports world that has taken this uh, in stride and, and really just 
I, I think, been overwhelmingly positive. There have been minor negativity out there, but overwhelmingly positive around this situation. Yeah, that was a scary deal. I wasn't watching live. Um, I just kind of caught up with it afterwards. And it's just one of those moments that you you stop and think like, wow, this this game is really dangerous football. And I was I was actually reminded of a soccer game of all things. The the guy from Denmark who now plays for my favorite team, Manchester United, Christian Eriksen, in the 2018 European Championships. Do you remember him collapsing? I do. His, yeah, his heart stopped. I think he went into cardiac arrest as well. And you, you thought he died on the field, like right then and there. And I I was taken back to just how scary that ordeal was. And I think that's one thing that I think people that are, you know, obviously thinking and, and praying for him. Uh, think back to is that guy's now playing in the Premier League for Manchester United. He's made a full recovery. His career's resumed. And in that moment, you did not know if he was going to live, let alone play again. So hopefully that's what occurs with, for DeMar Hamlin because that was a very, very, very scary ordeal and still is. And I think I read a tweet about the, the situation that they that nothing will come out for a while due to uh, either legality reasons or hospital uh, you know, regulation reasons. So I don't think we're going to hear an update for quite some time, which, you know, makes it even scarier. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I was reminded I, I was on the call. I did high school play by play for three years. And in three years, I witnessed uh, paralysis and a death. Uh, I witnessed a young man named Hudson Hawes make a routine tackle in a game between Bethany and Blanchard in the middle of the second quarter. Uh, there was about a 45 minute to an hour delay I was that broadcaster who was coming back on the air for 60 seconds, telling people that we had no updates and then going back to commercial for eight minutes. Didn't find out until days later that he was paralyzed. Uh, and then after I was let go of the franchise, I was calling a game, uh, an eight man game at Southwest covenant out by Utah, uh, by Yukon uh, and Peter Webb uh, young man. I, I remember their names. I, I remember it like it was yesterday made a, I mean, it was just a routine hit in the end zone in the third quarter of that game. Um, again, long delay. He was taken to the hospital, um, and he later died in, at, at the hospital. Um, and that was the last game of play-by-play -play I ever did. Um, haven't been to, to high school football games since. And um, DeMar Hamlin was, was very lucky. In the NFL, there are elite medical personnel around. Um, that's not the case in, in eight-man Oklahoma high school football. They, they've got people there, but um, not, not for seriously traumatic things like this. Um, it, it, it hit me really hard Monday night, Carson. Football is a violent game. It's a big part of my life. I love football. I love watching football. I probably always will. Um, but but it, it struck me that uh, we are watching something every week that, that these guys really are, are putting it on the line. Um, so I hope everyone remembers that the next time that uh, a player drops a pass or does something like this is, this is serious what they're putting into their bodies. And uh, yeah, Monday night was very, very heavy for me. So um, yeah, again, bullet to the football community, because again, I think sometimes sports brings out the best in people. And I think we've seen that this week with the reaction to what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, that's well said. And I think that that puts it in a lot of perspective. Uh, certainly. Uh, BBs, what do you got for me on BBs, Colby? I can go if you're still working on yours. Uh, no, I've got mine. My BB is going to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, this was a oh my goodness. For me. Uh, I mean, I tweeted about it uh, as soon as it happened. It, it is just so. It, it's so easy to just to just treat people well. Um, 
Steve Sarkeesian, a, a guy, I don't know if it was a, a grad assistant, a TV assistant, I don't know what it was. Steve Sarkeesian was like trying to push through and get on the field ahead of the bowl game. And, and this guy just kind of like, you know, held his hand up. And, and yes, his hand was in Steve Sarkeesian's chest, but it was nothing out of the, the norm, nothing that, that wasn't ordinary. And he absolutely snapped in a way that just was so inappropriate in that moment. Um, and it, I, I mean, not that I really had much of an opinion either way on Steve Sarkeesian uh, one way or the other, but that was a moment where he clearly thought that he wasn't on camera uh, and didn't need to be buttoned up. And man, he, he made a, a serious ass out of himself in that moment. And it forever changed the way that I will look at Steve Sarkeesian. That is just, that's not how you treat people. So major, major BB for Steve Sarkeesian. He's a weird dude, right? Have you seen some of those weird suits he wears? He wore like a, it looked like a 1970s couch. It was like brown with like a sunset going down that the jacket and pant. He was wearing like a cowboy hat before the, he's a weird, weird, weird dude. And I thought that was the ultimate fake tough guy move. Like to just look cool in front of his players to demean this like 20 something intern. That's just tasked with keeping the players from running out and keeping them on time for the pregame festivities. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, how many screws are loose in his head, man? That was a that was a weird deal. Uh, yeah, it was very weird, and I just man, watching it made me uncomfortable. And and good on the young man for just taking the berating, standing because <laughs> yeah. I mean he he let him have it. Uh, I mean it was intense, it was aggressive. Uh, I I would imagine it was intimidating and a little scary for that young man because I mean I I don't know if that's just a football coach and and how those guys talk, but. I, I found that incredibly uh, just inappropriate and way, way, way over the line. So, uh, yeah, I, I had that BB ready to go for Steve Sarkeesian. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> I think that's what he said. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, my BB goes to the absolutely inept Big 12 basketball officials whose sphincters tighten so tight when they walk into Allen Fieldhouse. They're so afraid of Bill Self and those fans, that they will let teams hit you over the head. They will let Kansas players hit Oklahoma State players over the head with a steel chair with the game on the line, and they will not call a foul. That was an absolute – of all the terrible officiating that's gone up in that building, this ranks right near the top. One of the ones that comes to mind – I don't know if you remember this game, Colby, but uh, this, this might even have been in Ames, not even in Allen Fieldhouse, but Fred Hoiberg has Iowa State absolutely rolling. They're – they're on the precipice of dethroning Kansas, and they have one of the worst charging slash block calls in the history of the sport to benefit Kansas. I mean, that that foul, the two fouls, the one that happened prior where the ball was knocked loose, I believe, from Avery Anderson. They called it out of bounds to set up the play where Bryce Thompson's absolutely beaten over the head with a steel chair from behind on, the, on a potential game-tying bucket. bucket was in a total disgrace. And this is just, this is like so routine. We don't even blink our eyes anymore, but it's a disgrace. And it deserves to be called as such. If And I you get all these Kansas people in your mentions anytime you say this, cry more, cry more, whatever. You know who'd be crying if that happened on the other end with the game on the line? Bill Self. He would have gotten ejected if that play happened on the other end of Kansas, all right? The, the fans in Lawrence might have stormed the court if that had been on the other end and they wouldn't have called it. It's a joke. OSU shouldn't have given up a 15-point lead. We all know that. It's a disturbing trend under Mike Boyden. But the officiating in that game was criminal in a critical moment to decide the game. And it's a joke. And it's been going on for years and years. It probably won't change. 
but I'm going to keep calling it out as such. It's a joke. I mean, do you just think it's the atmosphere? And I don't feel like, like, yes, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I don't think the big 12 huddles up and says, let's keep Kansas winning the big 12 for another 15 straight years or whatever it's been. I don't think that happens. I think they're gutless. I think they're cowards. And I think when they're in that environment, they don't want to piss off all those rabid fans that create an unbelievable environment. Bill Self has a lot of respect for the officials. He, he wins over them just like he wins over recruits. He's a likable dude. I think that's part of it. But, like, Colby, how many times have you sat in Gallagher Iba where OSU fans just boo the referees off the floor to end the first half? Because they've gotten just some ridiculous calls on their home court. It'd just be nice if that didn't happen as much as Kansas getting every call in their in their house. I just want it to be somewhat fair. I know it's not going to be totally fair. And I don't think it's a conspiracy to answer your question. No, I don't think it's a conspiracy either. I think that they just get caught up in the moment, in the crowd. But, man, it happens there so much more than it does anywhere else. That's that's a different atmosphere than it is most places. I grant you that. Yes, you shouldn't give up the 15-point lead. That one feels a little different. I mean, it is a disturbing trend that they blow the second-half leads. But, I mean, that one is against uh, what what might be the number one team in the country by the end of the week on their home floor. And and Kansas just looked rattled in the second half. It's a well-coached basketball team with a bunch of seriously elite players. You knew they were going to come out in the second half with an answer, and they did. And Oklahoma State still managed uh, after the initial blow, because I think that game was tied with like 12 minutes left. At that point, Kansas could have went on to win by 15. They could have won the second half by 30. Um, and Oklahoma State kind of steadied the ship a little bit and was in the game at the end before those, those calls that you mentioned. So, yes, the officiating was a disaster. Uh, and it was unfortunate because, man, you talk about a resume win. That would have been a resume win. Uh, don't know about the West Virginia game now because they started 0-2 with losses to K-State uh, and Oklahoma State. So uh, the game against Texas this weekend, man, that would be a big one. I know they're trying to throw an, an alumni party together. Everybody wear your old stuff. Matt Fletcher's been tweeting about it. Should be a lot of fun. If they could grab that one, uh, I mean, in the Big 12, you go one and one every week. You're making the tournament easily. Boy, if they could beat West Virginia and Texas in the same week, that would just be an insanely, insanely huge boost to this program. Yeah, what if they were 2-0 and with Wynn and Lawrence in Big 12 oh, play? I mean, my we'd, goodness. We'd be, we'd be feeling a lot differently about them, I promise. Yeah, that's 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 why that's that's such a crime. I mean, OSU's got just a brutal slate coming up, and they had every chance to win that game if you know they don't blow the lead, obviously. But I think they got they got hosed. They make make the call. Don't don't be scared. Make the call. I mean, Kansas hasn't won that many conference titles in a row without some help, and they've gotten a lot of it over the years. So I don't know. But uh, anything else from Bullets and BBs you want to touch on? I mean, obviously we've. We've kind of beaten the the transfer portal over the head with what's going on up in Stillwater. But anything else to get to you? I uh, don't believe so. I think uh, I think I've aired most of my grievances for the day. Yep. So, well, Colby, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens with potential coaching changes. Who else? And I I've received word there's one more big name that will be entering the portal from Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't oh. know who that is yet, but uh, that's what I'm hearing. So. Um, Man, it's um. Oh, one more BB. How soft is Lincoln Riley? Is he softer than this this paper towel roll that's that I'm, that's staring at me right now? Is he softer than that? Carson, they're close. Cut him some slack. They're close. I mean, could you be more spineless than Lincoln <laughs> Riley? Um, like not only does he give up a, a just hilarious meltdown, uh, fifteen point lead in the last four minutes of the game, he 
shields his Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, who was allowed to speak to the world after winning the the trophy, doesn't think he needs to talk after blowing the lead that they blew. Uh, wraps his press conference up in eleven minutes by answering one or two questions, and just completely makes a complete fool out of himself once again. What what's this guy's problem? He's 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 softer than Charmin. Uh, yeah, things have not gone well for Lincoln Riley. He went from Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, quarterback whisperer, next big thing, everybody wants him. And I mean, I've seen people this week, national people talking about, man, how is Lincoln ever going to win a national championship with these soft teams, all this stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously, Lincoln Riley's doing okay for himself. I don't want to make this out to be like uh, Lincoln Riley's a bum or something. Lincoln Riley's doing okay for himself, but I don't think his stock is nearly what it was uh, two, three years ago. No, I mean, look, he's great. Co- I mean, they went four and eight last year. Like, clearly, he he knows offense, and Caleb Williams is right up there with Baker and Kyler in terms of quarterbacks he's had. Like, we all we all know that. But like, the same issues why Oklahoma was not competitive against the elite are there. They can't tackle. They're soft. They they have no strength and conditioning program worth worth a lick, and they get pushed around. Like, like again, I will not forget U- Utah ragdolling their secondary into the end zone left and right. And Tulane, you know, going for more than 10 yards per play after completing eight passes the whole game. Like, it's – they're just – they're an embarrassment on defense. But I, I had to get that Lincoln Riley shot in there before we go. Yep, that one was good. Uh, anything else? Anything? Uh, Oklahoma State, Texas this weekend? Uh, assuming we don't have to do an emergency pod at any point before then? Yeah, belated uh, bullet for Bryce Thompson. Really, really – turning into the player he was recruited to be. I mean, 7 of 10 from 3 against Kansas. He's really shooting the lights out. He's shooting, I believe, like 50% from 3 over the last month or so. Uh, he's been he's been awesome. And uh, that 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 was much needed for their offense. And I, hopefully Cissé is able to go. I know he's still dealing with the injury. He's a difference maker and really, a really Colby, a center they haven't had maybe ever <laughs> in terms of his height length and reach like I'm, I'm struggling you know country obviously he was seven feet tall but he didn't have the wingspan that a say has i mean obviously maybe back to bob curland i mean that's how far back we're going they just these the, the type of centers like musa say just don't exist uh they're, they're very hard to get and they're very hard to keep and uh hopefully he can be back back on on saturday because he's a he's a real difference maker for what they do defensively yeah, he is. He's averaging like eight, 11, and three blocks. I think it's just insane what he does. And the amount of shots that he impacts is uh, even more so than that. If they can get him back, uh, you know, a- Avery can get back to being a little more Avery, cut down on the turnovers. Turnovers have been a little bit troubling, but uh, he's a good player. He's a veteran player. I think he'll get that under control. So uh, hope for the best this weekend against Texas. Again, that would be a big one. I know everybody's hopes are high and you feel like you need to win them all. One and one in the Big 12 every week is going to get you where you need to be. But anytime you can steal one, uh, that's just gravy. So hopefully they can get one Saturday against the Horns. I agree, Colby. Uh, Barring any emergency pods, we'll get back with you next week. Sounds like a plan. Everybody try to stay uh, safe out there and try to stay sane out there as news just keeps breaking and breaking and breaking. Uh, No matter how it goes down, it's always go, Pokes, over here. Thanks for listening to the Pistols Firing Pod.